you know, for 2,000 years, the church has gathered together. Um, that's what we do. We're a gathering people. And it's just been so weird for me to start this uh, new pastorate, not gathering together at least in full. So it's so good to see people coming back, to see the bell choir for the first time. I have been here a year and I still haven't seen the choir. Can you believe that? So it's good to be getting back to normal. And I think that soon it will be completely back to normal. Hey, I want to welcome those of you who are here for uh, Thanksgiving. I've met some people today um, who, you know, are away but are gathering together as a family. So good to have you here today and back uh, at PCC. Today we continue this sermon, uh, this series of sermons on gratitude. Uh, this is the last one, appropriately enough, as we begin uh, this week of Thanksgiving. We are going to take a look at a pretty interesting story from the Gospel of Luke and then see what it says to us today about gratitude. So listen now to God's word to us from the Gospel of Luke. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and cried out in, or called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed or healed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice, He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one found to return and to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to them, him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well, or... Your faith has saved you. God, we pray that you would take now this scripture to us, your word to us, and the meditations of my heart, and speak to us a clear word for us today about gratitude and what it means in our lives. Lord, speak with power, with authority, and with full conviction. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. You know, I was home for lunch one afternoon, and You know, I'm kind of a foodie, so I like to go home and prepare a really nice lunch. So there I was slapping some peanut butter and jam on a couple slices of bread. (laughs) And we had a little TV on our counter. And we would sometimes turn on the TV while we were preparing meals. And so I turned it on. And on the TV just happened to be one of those uh, talk shows that bring out the worst in our culture. (laughs) You know those? Uh, The ones that have all these just outrageous stories about people and uh, try to outdo each other by discussing the most outlandish and kind of horrible topics. Now, you know, I don't really have a habit of watching those kinds of shows, but it was on, so I decided to watch it. Anyway, there I was making this sandwich, and the talk show host came on, and he said something that caught my attention. He said, do you know what the key to happiness is in life? 
Now, I don't know the name of this host, but he had kind of an Australian accent, and anyway, he said it again. Do you know what the key is to happiness, to living a contented and happy life? Now, he kept saying this, each time with a little more intensity, and he had my attention, because, you know, I'm kind of in the business, <laughs> right? of helping people find full life. That's what Jesus came to do for us. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. So I'm paying attention to this guy. And he did it about a fourth time, and finally he said, the secret to happiness is, and then a very dramatic pause. I'm learning how to preach from this guy, right? The secret to happiness is what? Gratitude. It's having a grateful heart. I was kind of surprised by this, that this is what I would hear on one of these talk shows. And then I thought to myself, shoot, I should have been a talk show host. Because <laughs> I believe the same thing. And I don't know if you could tell from these last few weeks, but I really believe this about gratitude. It has made a tremendous difference in my life over the years. I believe that it is the secret to happiness, secret to contentment. You know, when we're grateful, it's hard to be discontent. I think we will experience more peace when we are grateful. We will have a richer life, a joy, a freedom, a lightness to life. When gratitude is really our basic posture in life. It's like Paul says, give thanks in all circumstances. This is what I've been trying to communicate these last uh, number of weeks. And as I thought about it this week, I thought, you know, it's, in some ways this could kind of be like me being the parent saying to a child, <laughs> now what do you say, you know, after receiving a gift? And I don't want it to come across that way, Instead, I want to woo you and me to pursue this life of gratitude. And as I also thought about gratitude this week, I thought, you know, it seems like it would be just natural for us to be grateful, doesn't it? I mean, God has given us so much. Wouldn't you agree? You would think that, that gratitude would just be the norm. And yet, as you listen to people and you listen to conversations during the day, it doesn't really seem to be that, especially these last number of years. There's been a lot of cynicism and ingratitude and looking at what's wrong instead of looking at what's right and expressing thanks. Or we may give thanks for a short period of time after something happens in our life and then go on with our lives as usual. You know, we see this human tendency toward forgetting to be grateful and giving thanks in this story from the Gospel of Luke today. Interesting story. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, and he's passing along the border of Galilee and Samaria, who are bitter enemies, right? The Jews look down on the Samaritans. We see this over and over in Scripture And as they approach a village, 
he approaches a village, 10 lepers stand at a distance. There it is, social distancing. <laughs> the law, the Old Testament law, said that a leper had to keep 50 feet away from anyone else who didn't have leprosy. And so they stand at a distance and they cry out to Jesus. Now these men are grouped together and this is not unusual, usually on the outside of a village because they need to be kept from everyone else. Because leprosy, as you probably know, is a horrible disease. It's painful. It is just an awful disease that affects so much, not just the skin, but you lose any kind of sense of sensation in your fingers and your toes and all kinds of horrible things happen. So they're outcasts, very contagious as well. So they're kept out on the edge of the village. They're ostracized. They're separated from the rest of the community. But not only that, at that time, they were told that this disease is a punishment from God. God has abandoned you. You did something wrong, and you're being punished. So not only did they feel physically sick and have all the other things that went along with having this disease, but they had the added burden of feeling that God was angry with them and punishing them. You got to get this picture. These guys were in dire straits. They had gathered together to die. There was no cure for leprosy. They were ostracized from family and friends, not only because of their contagious disease, but because they were considered unclean and sinners. And they were told that even God had abandoned them. Their lives, I want us to feel this, their lives were without hope, without love, without a future, and without God. It's a pretty good description of hell, really. And I think it's safe to say they were utterly and hopelessly lost. They realized if there wasn't some miracle if there wasn't something bigger than them that came in to save them, they were in big trouble. So Jesus tells them something very interesting. And if you don't know the history of this, it doesn't make any sense. He says, go and show yourselves to the priest. Now, being examined by the priests was another part of the law regarding those who had leprosy. If one became cleansed or healed by some miracle. They had to be examined by the priest who acted as kind of a public health inspector. And if they were examined and found not to have leprosy any longer, they were allowed to go back into the community. So Jesus does not tell them they are healed or they're cured, but instead, in faith, begin walking to go show yourselves to the priests. And along the way, this miracle occurs. And they're cleansed. Or they're healed. And now we come to the part of the story I really want to 
concentrate on. Because up until this point, these ten men had many things in common. They were all outcasts. They all had leprosy. They were all in desperate need of healing. And they all cried out to Jesus. And now they are all, ten of them, miraculously healed. And yet, interesting part of the story, only one out of the ten returns to thank Jesus. One out of ten. That isn't a very good uh, batting average, is it? Only one expresses gratitude. So he returns and gives thanks to Christ. Falls at his feet and touches his feet. First human he's probably touched in years. And the text indicates that he thanks him over and over and over again. Jesus is surprised. Seems that way. That only one, one in ten returns to say thank you. One. And the interesting thing is, he's the Samaritan. All the other men, we assume, are Jewish, the chosen people. The Jews looked at the Samaritans like heretics, like they were outside of the love of God. And so a little interesting twist here, it is the Samaritan, the one who probably feels less entitled, who comes to give thanks. So what does this story tell us about gratitude and what can we uh, apply, how can we apply this story to our lives. Well, I think the first thing that we see here is that gratitude, and I've said this before, but it is key for gratitude. It's a matter of perspective. Gratitude, at least in the Christian sense, which I would say is a little different than just having overall gratitude without believing in God, begins with this belief that all gifts from God come from God. Those things for which we are grateful, they aren't just random or just happen by chance or by accident. They are gifts from God. Verse 15 tells us something interesting. It says, when he saw he was healed, he ran back to Jesus. In the Greek grammar, where the verb is placed is very important. And the verb here is idon to see, and it is placed right at the beginning of the sentence. And so it's, it's probably some sort of awakening of sorts that this guy has. Something happens beyond just looking at himself and seeing that he's healed. His eyes were open to something new. And probably his eyes are open to the fact that God has given him something for which to be thankful. In, in order to be thankful, to have gratitude, as a Christian, we need to have a certain worldview. This is key to being grateful. And the worldview always involves three factors. There's a writer named Robert Roberts. I'm sure he thanked his parents many times for that name. They all came from the old Latin word bene, which means good. 
which is the root of many of our words. Benediction. Good words. Benefactor, as we will see in a second. But it's always three bennies. The first one involves benefit. In order to be grateful, we have to receive a good gift. There has to be an affirmation of goodness. Doesn't mean that life is perfect. And I think this is so important. You know, to be grateful is we don't put our hands and head in the sand, bury it in the sand, and pretend like there aren't any problems in life. Life goes on. We have pain. We have trials. We have things go wrong. But we see good. And we affirm this goodness. Life is not perfect. And so we give thanks even when things are imperfect, which I think is a really important point. Life is not perfect, but we still have gratitude. Second, gratitude always involves a benefactor. This is, uh, answers the question, where does the goodness come from? Benefactor means one who does good. So the gifts, the good things that happen to us in life, as Christians, we affirm that they're not by accident, they're not random, they come from a benefactor, and that is God. We recognize that something beyond ourselves gives us a good gift. God is good. It's one of the the basic foundations of gratitude. Third, there's a beneficiary, one who receives the good gift, and that's us. For there to be gratitude, we have to receive a gift, a pure gift, one that we didn't do anything to earn or deserve, just a good gift. See, this is why grace, which we talked about the first six weeks, is so key to gratitude. We give thanks for something that we can't earn, that we cannot buy. It's just this gift from God. So this is the worldview. This one man seems like he has it. The other nine, they're missing it. And we could look at these characters, right? These other nine and think, how could they not go and give thanks? It's such an obvious display of a gift, such an obvious display of God's good gifts. Well, this is a key point. Gratitude will not come from more acquisitions or more gifts. It comes from being thankful for what we already have. You see that? They all receive this gift. And yet only one expresses gratitudes. So what we need to do to be grateful is to open our eyes and to become aware of the good things that God has given us because they're all around us. Now, how do we do that? I think one way we do it is we just slow down our lives. Gratitude takes time. Got to slow down. We got to look at what's around us. It takes pausing. It takes reflection. 
time to reflect on what has happened and what we've been given in life. In this story of the ten lepers, the other nine, they rush on. Now, they may have felt gratitude, but they don't give thanks. They move on, which is so much what we do in our lives today. You know, the great spiritual writer Henry Nouwen, Nouwen once said, you know, busyness is the biggest obstacle to the spiritual life. And I would agree. Spiritual life takes time to slow down, to reflect. That's one way to simply open our eyes. The second way, or the second part of gratitude, is to express thanks. Always has to be an expression of thanks. It's not just a feeling. We do something. Gratitude is a verb as, as well as a noun. We express thanks in some way. We must take some kind of action. And when we do that, we get another blessing. Someone has once said that a grateful person feels joy twice, once when they receive the gift, and again when they give thanks and do something to express that thanks. You know, as we enter this Thanksgiving week and we close up this series on Thanksgiving, I want to just give us some ideas on how to express thanks and to give thanks. Cultivate gratitude in your life. I think the first thing I would encourage you to do, for us to do, is to, and I talked about this before, is take a few minutes, either at the beginning of the day or the end of the day, and either write down what you're thankful for or simply pray, Lord, these are four things that I was thankful for from this day. Just reflect on your day or keep a journal. Remember I told you the first sermon in the series that a researcher at Davis has found that this is a life-changing exercise. Changes our outlook on life. Very simple. Keep a journal. Use each meal, which people have been doing for years, to really reflect on God's goodness. Spend some time thanking God for other things besides just the food, three times a day. Express gratitude toward others. You know, sometimes it's not just God we give thanks to. Other people can give us gifts in life, right? Thank people for who they are and what they mean to you. This is cultivating gratitude. Do this either verbally or through a written note. You know what I'd encourage you to do is write a letter to someone who means a lot to you for whom you are thankful and meet that person for a cup of coffee or at some point and read that letter to them and see what happens to that relationship. Remember I said that gratitude strengthens a relationship, our relationship with God. It also strengthens our relationship with other people. Say thanks to that person and see what happens. Spend some time reading the Psalms of Thanksgiving. If you have a hard time remembering what to give thanks to God for, read the Psalms. They're Israel's prayer book, and a great number of them are Psalms of Thanksgiving, thanking God for who God is and for God's many benefits. Put something in your office. Where, that can remind you, or wherever you work, that can remind you of to be grateful. I have one friend who's a doctor, 
who has developed this habit of every time he goes to wash his hands, which is many, many times when you're a doctor during the day, right? He thanks God. This is cultivating a thankful heart. Now, today, to close this time together, I'm going to ask us to do something different. It's not in the bulletin, (laughs) but we're going to do it anyway. Yeah, I want to take advantage of us having a small congregation and to give thanks out loud today as we began this Thanksgiving week. I would like you to say sentence prayers, very simple. First of all, thank God for who God is and for his benefits. So that could be, God, thank you that you are loving. Thank you that you are faithful, just the different qualities of God. And for the benefits that you have in your life because of that, in your own spiritual life, Thank you for peace. Thank you for the joy, whatever it may be. And then I want us to go, and I'll lead this time of Thanksgiving into a time of thanking God for different aspects of our lives or different gifts in our lives, like health or family or whatever it may be. So can we do that? Will you participate? Say yes, Steve. We'd love to participate today. (laughs) Okay, let's do that. I think this will be a good way to just get us ready for Thanksgiving, which I don't know about you, that's my favorite holiday. So let's do this, okay? So let's begin by thanking God for who God God is and for the benefits we have in our lives. Just simple one-sentence prayers. Let's close our eyes and go ahead and pray. Remember, we're saying these out loud. So go ahead. Be sure to say it loud enough so that everyone can hear. God, thank you for your patience and your persistence. Amen. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for tiny mercies. Thank you for your goodness. Let's thank God for the benefits that he gives us in in our lives, things like peace or joy. Thank you for laughter. Thank you for life. Mm-hmm. 
Thank you for my son. Thank you for friends. Thank you for help. Thank you for smiling. Thank you for guidance. Thank you for wisdom. Thank you for this beautiful place uh, in which we live. Thank you for, finding, for providing us with a path forward and peace and harmony. Mm. Thank you for shelter. Lord, for who you are and for all the gifts that you give us. We give you thanks. And God, I pray that this Thanksgiving week uh, may be a time that we all just focus on what you have given us, that we will feel this gratitude in our hearts and express them both to you and to others, important people in our lives. Lord, we love you and we're grateful for who you are and all you give us. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.